1: to turn Penelope's world upside down mm,
0: this is the ultimate good friends to lovers story from those initial butterflies to when both parties realise there might be something more between them watch Bridgerton season three now playing only on Netflix mm. Hello and welcome to Shameless, the pop culture podcast for smart people who love dumb stuff. You're joined as always by Melbourne writers, Michelle Andrews, that would be me, and Zara McDonald, that would be you. Hello and welcome back, producer Annabelle Lee. Howdy there. Howdy <laughs> indeed. <laughs> no, I'm going to veto howdy from now on. I
1: actually quite like howdy. Thank so you. Keep it going.
0: Coming up on today's show, Georgia Love's emails are leaked to the media. The Bachelorette Australia Day With its very first bisexual star, the Today Show war between Karl Stefanovic and Lisa Wilkinson enters another round, and then we open the shameless mailbag and tackle a listener's big influencer wedding dilemma. But first, Zara, how was your week? Great week. Really good week. I mean, Melbourne
1: is coming out of lockdown. It couldn't be better. We got the news on uh, what? Sunday. Sunday
0: morning. Every day becomes one amorphous blog when you're in <laughs> lockdown. You
1: are right. So it was Sunday morning. I was so excited. I did my frenzied booking thing. I was all over it all day. And then I got to Sunday night and I was going to bed and I was like, to "Ollie, I'm so overwhelmed. <laughs> yeah. And he was like, you did this to yourself all day. All you've been doing is texting people, trying to work out when people are free, trying to book the restaurants. I, I am the one that drives everyone up the wall and overwhelms everybody and then ended up overwhelming
0: myself. Well, I was going to say, you are the mum of the friendship group. You like to kind of take plans, organise them for everyone. You whip everyone into shape. Yes. And they will tell you, my friends will
1: tell you that I do that and then pretend to do it reluctantly and get mad at them every time, but never (laughs) helping me. And then every time I just take the reins again. And it's like... You love it. And it's like, oh, I'll do it myself. <laughs> I am absolutely like that. I always have been. But Annabelle, you told me only today as you came in to record that I didn't know the best booking feature of Open Table ever. Yes.
2: So there is an app called Open Table and all you have to do is put in the amount of people that you want at a booking and then the time as well and it spits out all the available restaurants for you to book. In an area. Because I put in my postcode and it's like, here's
0: everything in your area. Here are all the restaurants. I'm like, what the f- how did we- not fucking know about this well here am
1: i googling every pub in (laughs) richmond and then individually going onto that website to try and work out if i have a booking i feel like that lady gaga meme you know like no sleep club
0: (laughs) another club another club plain new place it's like i need to rest and we haven't even gotten out of this yet we also need to comment that that is not sponsored again i swear to god every time we recommend an app we're like life-changing amazing (laughs) couldn't get a better app not sponsored but open table on the app store
1: yes how do you open table i've already made a booking with it so i am absolutely stoked i do have a recommendation this week I'm recommending a makeup product, which doesn't happen very often on Shameless. Is this your first ever, your makeup virginity um, on Shameless? Perhaps. I don't mind makeup. I'm not fabulous at it, but I enjoy playing around. And I wanted to recommend the product Flawless Filter by Charlotte Tilbury. Full disclaimer from the outset, I was gifted this product, but I have bought it again because I love it so much. And I'm not even three quarters of the way. I was
2: going to say, how much are you using? Are you
1: you bathing in this? I literally only used a quarter of the bottle, but I was like, need to
0: just buy this again. (laughs) I'm imagining Zara like pouring it all over (laughs) her body, like rubbing it in. It is an incredible makeup product. I will back you up. You told me about this and it's life-changing.
1: So it's like a primer that is really, really glowy. It's got a slight tint to it. So there are a few different shades and you put it on under your tinted moisturizer, foundation, whatever. And it just gives you the ultimate glow. You were a bit worried, Michelle, when I recommended it to you because you have skin on the oilier side. So you were
0: like, is this going to make me really shiny? Mm, I don't need more shine, but this is like luminous. You look like you were kissed by Jesus Christ. himself. (laughs) I honestly (laughs) couldn't recommend it
1: more. As I said, I know it was gifted. We had no obligation to ever mention it ever. I
0: just cannot get enough of it. I totally agree with you. I back that up. My week, I have nothing. (laughs) I didn't, I mean, I didn't ask, but I was going to. <laughs> Tell me about it. I have nothing to share, but I do have two recommendations for not having a story for the week to talk about. The first is an outdated recommendation, potentially. This has been around for a long time, but I only watched it on the weekend. Modern Love, but with a caveat. Caveat? Caveat. Not sure. Both. Either or. <laughs> <laughs> with a caveat. Not every episode. In fact, Modern Love Season 1 one episode I want people to watch and it's episode two with Dev Patel. And if people are sitting there going, but Michelle, I need to go through every episode. I need to start at episode one and work my way to episode 12 or whatever. No, you don't. These are all self-contained. They're like little half hour movies And episode two of season one with Dev Patel is some of the best television I have ever watched. I've seen it.
1: I was going to say, Annabelle, I know you're a longtime Modern Love fan. It's interesting because one of my girlfriends actually recommended me like one or two episodes of Modern Love. And she was like, you'll love it. You'll love it so much. Make sure you watch it. And I think she listens to the podcast. And I haven't told her that the episode that she gave me was absolutely trash. Which one was it? I don't know. <laughs> it was. It was about this woman and the guy at her hotel. Horrible.
0: That's episode one. I gave that a Wait, five was out of ten. that episode?
1: Didn't, maybe I watched the wrong one. <laughs>
0: that's episode one, season one, and it is not so very good. That's about the woman and her doorman. Yeah. Oh,
2: sucks. I yeah, might have watched the wrong one. <laughs> See, I liked the first episode. It was oh. slow and kind of potted along no, in a no. very lovely way. I didn't like it at all. Nah,
0: I spent the entire time thinking this is not realistic. This would never happen. I don't believe it. But I did believe episode two. And please, guys, go watch it because I just love it. If you are kind of shaking your head at me and going, Mish, this is a three-year-old recommendation or whatever, I also have a very basic but very helpful recommendation that anyone could do today without downloading Amazon or spending money or whatever. I often struggle deciding what to have for dinner. You know when it comes to that time in the day when you're like, what am I going to cook tonight? What do I ever cook? Your mind goes blank. You can't remember any recipe that you and your partner or you and your housemate or just you enjoy. Sit down with your partner or whoever you live with tonight, spend 15 minutes and try to recall every recipe you guys make that you enjoy. Write it in a shared notes app and then every night go to that shared notes app and actually have like 15 to 20 recipes that you can go to that you remember that you can go make. This is cha- It's like the simplest thing ever <laughs> that has saved me so much stress and time every single day and taken that question of what am I going to cook tonight completely off the table.
1: Yeah, it's so one of those things because whenever I'm making dinner or whenever I'm planning, particularly in lockdown, it's like, okay, well, what are we eating for the week? It flies out of my brain the things that we normally cook and I don't know what it is and then I'll, I'll make something and I'll
0: be like, I haven't had this in fucking yes. six months. I'm obsessed with this. <laughs> yeah, because you're always like, why did we stop making this? And so it's so good just to be like, okay, think back. What do we like eating? What do we make? Write it all down. It's just a good little life hack. Thanks Mish. (laughs)
1: Thank you. Let's jump into the first segment of the show. Georgia Love is back in the news with some email leaks Mish and we have a lot of thoughts on this story.
0: We do. Now in case this is your first episode of Shameless or if you need a refresher Georgia Love has featured semi-regularly on the show as of late. So Georgia is the former bachelorette And newsreader who landed herself in a racism controversy about a month ago when she made a racist comment about Chinese restaurants and cats. Since then, she was moved off the on air news team at Channel 7 and onto the behind the scenes production team. So at the moment, she is a behind the scenes producer. Yeah, exactly. So What's happened
1: now is essentially late last week, an email chain between Georgia Love and another Channel 7 journalist by the name of Nathan Templeton, who you might recognize from a lot of the Olympics coverage that happened a couple of months ago. This was a chain not just between them, but the entire Melbourne and Sydney newsroom CC'd in. This chain was leaked and published not just on social media, but the local papers too, which is just everyone's worst nightmare. Like, who wants their kind of whole company emails leaked to the press? So essentially, the emails, Mish, were pretty straightforward. Georgia initially sent this email to the newsroom saying, hey guys, here's a bit of a technicality in news reporting and it was all about a grammar
0: note. Yeah, exactly right. So her subject line for the email was grammar note and she wrote in the text Hi friends, just a note on using the word surgery. It doesn't need to be pluralized. You have surgery, not a surgery. So you don't have surgeries, i.e. all elective surgery is canceled. Alternatively, you can use operations or procedures. Everyone does it. It's just one of those bugbears that's incorrect, but has snuck into our language. Now, this received a reply all from one Nathan Templeton. Yes, Nathan, who I think
1: it should be noted is about 10 years George's senior, hit reply all and wrote, Hi friends, just a note to say this note is not helpful or reasonable. Please carry on your great work and forget about it. You're all doing a great job under difficult circumstances. Keep it going. We love you. Mm. Now, I
0: had quite a visceral reaction to this email thread, Did you? Yeah, I did. I think I was shocked, number one, that this had been leaked to the media, primarily because this is the kind of email, as in George's email to the whole newsroom, is the kind of email that would be sent every single week at a media publication.
1: That's what got me. I was having a conversation with my sister, her boyfriend and my boyfriend in a group chat and I was being like to them, guys, this is the most standard email I've ever read. Mm. Like I have fielded and you have fielded, Mish and Annabelle, to be honest, you probably have fielded many an email when you work in digital media from editors telling you, hey guys, quick grammar note, here's one to kind of keep in your bank. Like that is central to the job. And you know, having that conversation with them and kind of reckoning with their surprise about my own opinion makes me think that maybe we might be in the minority with this, Mish. Maybe our opinion might be the unpopular one, but that's how I feel being in this industry.
0: Yeah. And it's also like a different publication style guide. Yes. Different publications have a way that they like to speak and the way they like to talk. And I know that to those who might not be writers or might not be in the media, this sounds a little bit pedantic, but it's actually pretty important just to make sure that all of the reporting from that publication has uniformity to it, that everyone is speaking about things using the same language and the same style guide. This is all so fucking standard. And I think what
1: annoyed me a lot about this story is the reporting around it. It was really, really interesting. Herald Sun writer Alice Costa described Nathan Templeton in the article about this as much-loved senior reporter and all-round great Guy. Mm. Now let me put on the record, we know that Georgia Love mucked up a month ago. Like she made some pretty heinous mistakes a month ago and we went into a lot of detail about that and our disappointment about that. I just don't really understand the thought process that because someone makes a mistake then that therefore all reporting needs to be unfair now. Like can we not just live in a world where we are very reasonable about this exchange? Yeah, well
0: I think our standard here is always play the action, not the person, right? And the action hits me is very inoffensive. Like, I don't read this email and see what the point is. Some articles, particularly that one by Alice Costa that you brought up before, Zara referenced that maybe it was speaking to one particular incident. So Alice wrote, It's understood the grammar sledge was fired off after a bulletin read by well-respected reporter Melina Cyrus, who no longer follows Georgia Love on Instagram. If that's true, then okay, maybe it could have just been an email to Melina Cyrus, or maybe it could have been a one-on-one conversation. But regardless, this is interesting information that will help the average reporter become better at doing their job It is fine for Georgia Love to send this to the newsroom. What is not fine is for Nathan Templeton to embarrass her in front of everyone. I find that to be really fucking gross, to be honest. And if you have an issue with the way someone is communicated, take that up with them. Yes. Don't do it in front of everyone. Georgia Love's peace. didn't mention Melina Cyrus if it was about her. It could have been about anyone. It could have been about a multitude of people in the company.
1: It is incredibly patronising and I think it would be remiss of us to not touch on the gender and power dynamics at play here. Like it's really gross that you've got an older guy who has fun more power in the newsroom saying forget about this email that she has sent. Maybe Georgia's biggest crime was the dynamic of the newsroom was one that didn't mean that she had maybe enough seniority for people to respect this email. Maybe that was her biggest crime. I don't know the dynamic of this newsroom. But if that is really someone's biggest crime, ignore the email then. Like keep writing surgeries if that's (laughs) really what you want to do. But to reply all with the age gap, with the seniority gap, with the power dynamic gender-wise, I just found this so condescending and so patronising and it was bizarre to me, Mish, that every piece of reporting around it didn't touch on that.
0: Annabelle. Yes. We have all spoken on this exact desk about Georgia Love a
2: lot this month. How did you receive this story? Initially when I saw this story. Also, I should say I didn't actually read Nathan's reply. I just saw the initial screen grab of Georgia Ah. Love's email. And to be honest, my initial response was, a little bit of rage, like I felt a bit angry at Georgia. I know it's irrational, but I think there was this leftover rage from the racist thing she did a couple of months ago. Mm. And I was just thought it was a bit sanctimonious of her to be sending this to everyone and telling people what to do when – I feel like my gut was telling me, surely you just lay low for a bit, even in a work context. Mm. But as a woman who has worked in the media and listening to that segment that you guys just did, I can extract myself from the situation that happened a few months ago and put myself into this situation. And in her shoes now, I would be so upset if I got an email response from Nathan, who would also CC to everyone else in the company. Like that is actually terrible. And so both things can be true. I feel like I can still be a little bit upset about what she did, not a little bit, a lot upset about what she did a couple of months ago, but also know that this is not okay.
1: I think that's absolutely it. It's like I can still have lingering upset about what happened and still recognise that this story has been framed in a way that is not fair.
0: Yeah, this will be a great one for Your say Friday. We cannot wait to hear what you guys think. Coming up after the break, the Bachelorette Australia has debuted. The Today Show war between Carl and Lisa has entered another round. And then let's open the Shameless Mailbag. But first, a word from today's sponsor.
1: And now it is time for the quick and dirty. As always, we bring you the top five stories from the rooflet and Tumble of the celebrity <laughs> and pop culture news cycle, Ooh. Michelle i don't
0: know why i'm <laughs> crickets
1: <laughs> yeah michelle crickets because <laughs> i got nothing
0: what have you got for me my first story mish and zara recap the bachelorette premiere that is from shameless media <laughs> I would love to get on this mic and give you all one of the headlines. We are coming to you from the past. We are recording this on Wednesday afternoon. Zara, we have just watched the premiere episode of The Bachelorette, but it was a pre-screener given to us by Channel 10.
1: Yeah. So we have no idea what the reception is going to be like. So we're really just (laughs) shooting in the dark here. But look, I have to say I was really impressed by this episode. I think Initially starting with Welcome to Country, it was lovely to see how moved Brooke was. I mean, I don't think it's for us to say whether it was perfectly pulled off or whatever, but it was really nice to see that Brooke loved it and that she really understood the gravity of her inclusion as the lead in this series. Yeah, I
0: got goosebumps. I got teary. It was incredibly, incredibly moving. And I must say, Channel 10's opening 10 minutes looked like a movie. I feel like they basically... Looked at Brooke's season of this show and went, release all the funds, <laughs> like put every cent that we have into this show because it seemed so beautifully produced, it will be very interesting to see how this does in the ratings. Obviously we can't predict the future. I'm hoping that by the time this episode comes out, it's good news for Channel 10 because I have a good feeling about this season. Some of us can predict the future. Some (laughs) of us can't. We'll get to that in a bit.
1: I do want to say at the top of this conversation, Brooke is incredible talent. I think that's one thing that really came across on the screen is she is bubbly and she is serene also, but more than anything, she just looked really, comfortable in front of the camera which I don't think we see a lot and I thought this is perfect talent like she will really carry this series this, yeah this
0: year yeah and we've been a little harsh on the people they've picked to be the protagonist of these different seasons Brooks one of the first people one of the first choices in quite a few years where I've gone yeah she's perfect like she was almost born to be the bachelorette she is such a natural at it look I'll sneak this in Not convinced by the choice of dress that they put her in, but if Brooke can pull off anything, in fact, if anyone can pull off anything, it is Brooke. (laughs) Yeah, I totally agree with that. I do want to know,
1: Mish, if the contestants are going to hook up Inside the house. I mean, I think that's been one of the biggest questions a lot of people have had about this groundbreaking global first series. Will there be hookups? I didn't see any sexual tension yet, but what I did notice is immediately at that cocktail party, I was like, wow, this is a way more fun cocktail party vibe. a bit of schoolies about it. Yeah, 100%. (laughs) And I was like, this is a great argument for sending your kid to a co-ed school because (laughs) you look at the single sex cocktail parties and I'm just like, there's too
0: much going on on both sides. Let's just do co-ed for everything. (laughs) I do want to talk about as well, given the gender dynamics were so different in this episode compared to every other season we have ever seen of The Bachelor or Bachelorette, I loved the fact that when it came up to that very pivotal point in the show where people need to decide when are they going to go up and interrupt Brooke's conversation with whoever she's speaking to. All of the women took the same approach, which was, fuck it, I'm going to shoot my shot and get in there and go for it. And all the men stood back around the fire pit and looked kind of hopeless. They looked so hopeless. They looked like absolute (laughs) peanuts. It
1: was wonderful because it was very much like the women have all the power here. They were very confident. It was so wonderful to see. And the men just sat there doe-eyed being like, oh, my God, what should I be doing? It was incredible. (laughs) Obviously, Mish, we have to put our predictions on the record. I am way more nervous for this because the entire dynamic is different. It's exciting and it's fresh and it's new. And I feel like the reason I've been so good at this for the last few years is because The Bachelor has always followed this very straight heteronormative kind of narrative that was really easy to pick because they deliberately lent into those classic tropes heteronormative tropes that made it very easy to pick. They can't do that this time, therefore... You are frazzled. I'm not that frazzled, to be honest. (laughs) I thought that it didn't feel particularly hard to choose unless they're leading us up the
0: garden path. It's got to be David... And Carissa in the final two. You would think so. I think they are the standouts. They tried to distract us with the previous contestant, the woman who's coming back for the second year. She's a pure,
1: pure distraction. She's a
0: decoy. She's a red herring. We've got to focus on David and Carissa. They're the real deal. I agree with you. They'll be one and two, but you've got to give me... Your number one winner. How many years in a row have you I picked know. the winner of both Bachelorette and Bachelor Now? I think we're in the like the fifth or sixth year. I know. You're probably running on a hot streak of ten correct shots in a row, and Annabelle have- Lee put in a drum roll or something. <laughs>
1: How is this pressure? I mean, I do want to say a couple of things before I give the listeners my final oracle prediction. My other Oracle things will be: Jamie Lee will go pretty far, but she won't go all the way. I think she'll go up to about four or five and then be let go. So she's not let on. I think Conrad will go all the way up to about third. I was going to say fourth or third. Yeah. yeah. I think that the country will fall in love with him so long as he doesn't do something randomly problematic <laughs> halfway through the season. <laughs> and these and these words don't age very well, <laughs> but I think he'll be pretty heartbroken. Then we get to David and Carissa. Carissa, David, I have to say, Ooh. I, I actually think they'd be both amazing people to end up with. They both seem like they are very empathetic
0: with big hearts. Just look at you dancing around the point trying to buy yourself some more time. Give us a prediction. I think it's David. I think it's David. Yeah. I think it's Carissa. But I, as soon as you said David, I basically told myself I'm going to go for the opposite one to what Zara does, just to so <laughs> cover both bases. I think they're both really, really good picks. They seem like
1: awesome people. That's what's kind of exciting about this is like I'm going to be rooting for both of them.
0: So (laughs) let's see. I'm really excited to see what happens. So am I. I absolutely love it. My second story, the list of ex-Big Brother stars returning for the new season has leaked and your faves are back. That is from Pedestrian wait!
1: So in case you missed it, last week, Channel 7 revealed that Big Brother, which actually hasn't even aired their Celebrity Big Brother season yet.
0: Wow.
1: Yeah, that's due to come out next month. Will Next feature a season full of all-stars? So there'll be a format where it will be all-star housemates returning to compete against, you know, just laymen men and women. <laughs> <laughs> is that even a thing?
0: <laughs> laymen lay men and I don't think women. it actually is a thing at all. Isn't, I mean, it, isn't it lay? Oh, maybe that makes sense. A layman
1: is a non-ordained male (laughs) member of the
0: church.
1: (laughs) Whatever, who cares? With normal people.
0: Lovely. So this is called Big Brother Back to the Future. It will be filming for the next 12 weeks. Now, Megan Pistetto from the So Dramatic podcast, who does a lot of work in this space, breaks a lot of these stories, revealed the ex-housemates who are rumoured to be returning to the show. Now, most notable, I would say, is 2013 alum Tully Smith. I know, huge one. Now, the reason that
1: people initially clued on to this is that Tully posted on Instagram a week ago saying that she was taking a break from social media. So everyone's like, oh, I wonder why. Now, there's also no word if Drew is going to be in there too the guy that she very famously hooked up with in that 2013 season. Other returning housemates include 2003 winner Reggie Bird, 2013 winner Tim Dormer, Farmer Dave, do you remember Farmer (gasps) Farmer Dave? Dave? Yeah, from 2006. And the stars of the 2012 season, Estelle and Layla. Dare I say, they have got quite a few. Big faces. They have. I oats. Oh, uh, I, l- I was, l- was l- going to l- say, is that the only thing you are thinking of right now? <laughs> oats I had to stop myself. It's the. It's a video that keeps coming off my TikTok
0: all the time. Bring it back. I say. I can't wait for it to come back. Will you guys be watching this? I think I will probably be tuning in. I will. I don't know. I'm struggling with free to air
1: stuff at the moment. Like I intend to, and then I just forget. Yeah. So I think I'll I'll be clued onto it, but I don't know if I'll be binging it. Interesting. You should set reminders on your phone. I've been doing that. With MasterChef, (laughs) I honestly think if I need to (laughs) set a reminder on my phone to watch a television show, I don't want to
0: watch it that badly. (laughs) Your commitment to MasterChef is beyond like most marriages. Yeah, I know know. we're committed (laughs) (laughs) to each other. My third story today: hosts Carl Stefanovic and Alison Langdon secure matching one point eight million dollar deals with Nine after the breakfast show's ratings surge. That is from the Daily Mail. What an interesting headline.
1: There is a lot going on here, so bear with us today. So just to quickly recap, ex-Today show host Lisa Wilkinson is about to release a tell-all memoir about her departure from the show in 2017. It is called It Wasn't Meant to Be Like This. I think it's coming out next week. So the media is going absolutely nuts for any angle about this story. So this week on Monday, we have this article drop from the Daily Mail, which starts like this. Today hosts Carl Stefanovic and Alison Langdon are believed to have renewed their contracts with Nine, with new salaries to reflect the show's surge in popularity. The Breakfast TV stars have reportedly secured deals worth $1.8 million each after the program grew its audience to become competitive with Channel 7's Sunrise for the first time in years. Stefanovic and Langdon were seen visiting accountant Anthony Bell's home last week, prompting rumours they were there to renegotiate their contracts.
0: Sorry, this is the most random point ever, but do you negotiate a contract with your accountant? Isn't that a manager's job? Yeah, I don't know why or how. Anthony Bell is in this story, who is like a well-known <laughs> Sydney accountant, but
1: clearly it's like money things. He'd be like, I can help you with the tax and <laughs> I can help you with the
0: negotiation side of things.
1: I don't know. But the point of this is the reason that this is newsworthy is because this article misdropped a day after Lisa Wilkinson had a, an extract published of her book in the Daily Telegraph. Now, in that excerpt, Wilkinson painted a terrible picture of Carl Stefanovic to say the least. It hinted that perhaps, first and foremost, Carl knew that she was going to be sacked before she did and insinuated that he was almost deliberately dodging her in the days and weeks before she lost her job. Now, the other important element of this story, and it's a little bit confusing, Mish, because News.com reported that the next thing that I'm about to say was reported in the extract that was published in the Daily Telegraph. It wasn't. I think Mm. they've just taken another part of the book and maybe published it without being allowed to? Without permission or something. I don't know. But News.com also reports that in this book, Lisa Wilkinson alleges that Carl had bailed on her in contract negotiations two years before she was sacked.
0: Interesting. So this was a passage from her book. Carl said that with Georgie Gardner gone and Ben Fordham having left to concentrate more on his radio career outside of Nine, we were the heart and soul of the show. Without us, he said, the network would be screwed. They needed us like never before. He wanted us to present to Nine as one entity, an unbreakable duo with a dual contract on equal pay. So Lisa kind of claims that Carl
1: proposed this Friends-style negotiation. Now, I don't know if anyone remembers this, but the stars of Friends very famously at the top of their game banded together as Six to negotiate their contracts together, saying that if one person quit, they were all going to quit, which means that was literally never going to (laughs) happen. But she also says that after he proposed this to be like, let's go in and negotiate together, she read in the news in December that same year that he had signed a new $2 million deal to stay with Nine without her. So she's like, he said we were going to do this together and then he went and negotiated by himself.
0: Also, we can probably confidently say that the Daily Mail with that original headline that we touched on, Zara, talking about the matching pay packets now and the show's rating surge is definitely a leak from Channel 9 to the Daily Mail. 100%. I bet you Channel 9's PR team sat around a table and went, right, what kind of stories are we going to get out there? What can we do to minimise the damage? first thing we're going to do is, well, no matter what happened in the past, things are equal now.
1: Yes, these two are doing everything together because that is exactly what Lisa alleges never happened.
0: By the way, our ratings are amazing. <laughs> yeah, Never been better.
1: But it is a, it is an interesting time for the Today Show. I mean, they've had a terrible few years. I think they would admit that. Actually, they, they would never admit that. <laughs> and suddenly the country is sort of falling back in love with Karl Stefanovic. And now Karl is getting just this wealth of bad press again. So it's not good timing. Now, The next story we wanted to do in The Quick and Dirty is related to this, Mish. So we're going to call this, what, story 3B?
0: Well, I think it's officially story 4. We do have five stories, but it is in tandem to the one we just spoke about. To say that swords have been, like, wielded against each other is understating it. The next headline we want to read you is from news.com.au. Stunning twist in Lisa Wilkinson's pay claims. Now, after this Carl Stefanovic story came out in the Daily Mail saying that, by the way, guys, equal pay, things are better than ever, news.com.au got this scoop per Cement the Maiden. She wrote, Insiders have revealed a stunning plot twist. Lisa earned double the salary of Carl Stefanovic for many years. News.com.au understands that when she first signed with Nine in 2006, Lisa was earning more than $700,000. The fresh-faced Stefanovic, who had just returned from a reporting stint in Los Angeles, earned less than half that amount for years as the TV couple hosted Nine's breakfast TV program.
1: Yeah, the piece went on. Multiple sources familiar with the contract negotiations at the time have told news.com.au that while there was a long standing pay gap between the two hosts, it was the other way round. They insist that for half a decade, it was Stefanovic, not Wilkinson, who was getting far less money than the other co-host. In fact, he was earning half that she was signed on for for the show. Oh. So here we have another leak. Clearly, Channel 9 publicity are in overdrive right now, every single day leaking to the press. This feels like Morning Wars, our favorite TV show. I am
0: living for this. <laughs> like I imagine it's very stressful for the people at the heart of it, but what a story to see play out in the media this week. It's and I have Wild. I have so many thoughts. And yeah, I want to talk start. to you about it because. Okay, so first of all, I understand this is Channel 9 trying to meddle with my little mind and make me think things. Yeah. Like, I know there are Machiavellian reasons why Channel 9 is trying to leak this story. However, I do think that the conversation with the Lisa Wilkinson, Carl Stefanovic pay gap has been framed as a gender pay gap story. It has been framed as a story where a standard was upheld of equal work should receive equal pay. That is the standard we have always discussed with this story. If the standard was actually never that, if the standard between Lisa and Carl was actually that their pay packets were determined by a range of factors, for example, differing levels of experience or differing levels of likability or trust within the audience, that is a different story. I'm a little bit confused. If these quotes are true, if it's true that Lisa was on double his money for five years, I am confused how this becomes a story about the gender pay gap. Yeah, it's really interesting because I definitely feel very complicated about it. And I think most
1: people will. Like, I don't think this is an easy story to kind of sit with. My initial feelings are this. I think equal pay conversations demand a real nuance, right? And I don't think that we are there yet when we're talking about equal pay or pay gap conversations. I don't think we're having them with enough nuance. It's always, always going to be, in my opinion, about experience too. Like pay will always be about experience. Who has more experience will be paid more. Therefore, Lisa had 10 years on Carl. It makes sense to me, truthfully, that when she started working, she was going to be on more money. What intrigues me, I guess, is what happened after that he manages to leapfrog her. And I, I do think to me that does speak to a pay gap because the pay gap isn't just about money. It's about every single factor that exists within a patriarchy and a network that pushes him for the gold logie that sells him as the network's favourite son, which therefore increases his likability and then increases his ability to negotiate at pay time a higher salary than her. Like I think if we if we want to have conversations about the pay gap, We need to really test ourselves and understand the layers that exist here. I think it's a really helpful test to all of us to be like, how comfortable are we to have conversations about the pay gap where there are uncomfortable elements? And like, what do we do with those conversations? Because I won't lie. I still feel a bit uncomfortable about it. I'm still confused about it because if it's true it went on for five years, well, then maybe my argument has less merit. But I am at a place now where I'm like, I would rather give the benefit of the doubt. I do feel like Channel 9 are trying to manipulate me. And for now, I'm
0: going to hold back. But if more information comes to the fore, I'll absolutely change my mind. Very interesting. My fifth story, Courtney Kardashian and Travis Barker are engaged. That is from Vogue. I am fucking excited about this. What a big one. So news dropped on Sunday night
1: in the US, Mish. So it was Monday afternoon, our time with an Instagram post from Courtney.
0: Yeah. So she and... and Travis were in this photograph embracing on the beach that was surrounded by thousands of red roses and candles. Her caption read forever. Now... This ring is fucking gigantic. We have described Kardashian rings in the past as something that would sink you to the bottom of the ocean if you jumped into water (laughs) with it, and this is no exception.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with you. According to Vogue, after the proposal, the couple gathered with the Kardashian family for a celebratory dinner. So I think we had Kim. I mean, we definitely had Kim there because she was uploading videos of them, like, (laughs) knocking on. We had Kylie, Kendall. They are all posting on Instagram about this. It kind of does pose the question, Mish, do we think they were engaged already and this was the filming of the proposal for their new show?
0: I know that's a conspiracy out there. You will never acknowledge (laughs) that things are set up for the show. I just, I don't think this was. I I think this was a legit moment. I think, yes, camera crews apparently were there. We've seen some blurry screenshots of people who are very particular with when they stop a video. And yes, it looks like this will appear in their upcoming season. I love on Hulu. you so much. My middle name for you should have been Michelle. Only ever believes the best in the Kardashians. Andrews. <laughs> I
1: just think it's legit. And I let me it's... tell you, I am stoked about it. May I interrupt? Sorry, I definitely believe the engagement is legit. It just it strikes me as something where you would have your private moment and
0: then be like, all right, well, how are we going to recreate this? for something that everyone can enjoy. And we know if any Scandal listeners who have listened to the Kim Kardashian 72-day marriage episodes can attest to, they have staged proposals in the past. Like Kim didn't like how her makeup and face looked in the first proposal, so they've refilmed it a second time for the show. I'm not saying it's out of the realm of possibility. I'm saying my heart, my little Kardashian-loving heart doesn't think that's the case here. Now, these two, I know we've touched on them a lot. They are very, very relevant in 2021, but these two did meet years and years ago. They've been friends for over a decade. They're actually neighbours who live in the same gated community And funnily enough, Travis Barker appeared on an episode of Keeping Up With The Kardashians seven seasons ago with his children and his former wife. So, Courtney hosted Travis at her house and they were speaking about what good friends they are, how well the kids get along... It's very interesting to see how far they've come now. Yeah, exactly. Speaking of his ex-wife, all is
1: not necessarily well in Shanna Mokla's world. On Monday, she shared a post to her Instagram stories that seemed to hint that she wasn't pleased with the news of this engagement.
0: She said, temporarily
1: closed for spiritual maintenance.
0: She's not (laughs) the only ex who is apparently struggling Ye old Scott Disick, the Lord, apparently is not too happy, not too swell with this news, which is not surprising because Kardashian fans know he has been pining for Kourtney Kardashian to come back to him for, oh God, maybe three years, despite having girlfriends in the interim. Like he always has a 19-year-old girlfriend, but will tell Kourtney Kardashian how much he loves her on the show. Remember that time
1: that we joked that we wanted them to get back together? Idiots. Why did we ever? I don't think I ever wanted that.
0: (laughs) Why did we say that? I think we were like, oh, there's something about this toxic relationship that's kind of <laughs> intriguing. And as soon it's as we surprised. said it, all of our listeners were like, what the fuck and do I, mean? No,
1: I don't want them to get back together. I love, I actually quite like the pairing of Travis Barker and Courtney Kardashian. For one, they seem to really like each other. So that's important. Yeah, they can't stop having sex with each other. And secondly, well, we don't know that. They, they can't stop <laughs> kissing. That's for sure. Secondly... You know what? Karma to Scott Disick. You cannot treat someone that badly for that long and just expect them to come running back to you.
0: Preach it, sister. Esther (laughs) Perel (laughs) is over Are we done?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Hmm.
2: You've got mail. Yes. Those are very powerful words.
1: Alrighty team, we have another juicy mailbag to
2: open today. Annabelle, I'm going to let you do the honours. Can you read out this letter for me? Certainly can. It reads, girls, for a podcast called Shameless, I'm hoping you can help me get through the intense shame I've been feeling. I have gotten myself into tens of thousands of dollars of debt in the space of a year, and it's all over my upcoming wedding. When I started planning our wedding at the beginning of the year, my fiancé and I were both on the same page and wanted the same things. A beautiful but modest wedding that didn't break the bank. Only once we got into things, I started feeling this intense (laughs) pressure. I am so used to seeing influencer and celebrity weddings that look like the ultimate fairy tale. I never knew how expensive those glamorous Perspex marquees were or how much it costs to pay for guests to drink cocktails or enjoy a champagne fountain. I never realised that those extravagant floral displays can cost more than a year's worth of rent either. I what? I mean,
0: <laughs> nor did I. Yeah, no, I knew that and yeah. it's scary, guys. Oh,
2: lordy. I feel stupid even saying this, but I want all of that for myself. I'm a nurse and I feel like I deserve to feel like the star of the show for a day and have the wedding I see all over my Instagram feed whenever someone famous gets married. I've been quietly opting into bigger and bigger wedding day expenses that my fiancé has no idea about. (gasps) I've been paying deposits on a secret credit card. I feel sick about the financial trouble I've been secretly getting myself into, but I don't know how to get out of it either. What would you do in my situation?
1: What a doozy. What a doozy. I mean, isn't this interesting, Mish? Because I think one conversation that's popped up a little bit maybe since you got engaged is I've probably never really looked at people's weddings that much. But when I think about it, there is a gaping, gaping chasm between the weddings that I see on my Instagram feed from influencers and from celebrities and the weddings that I've actually been to. Yeah. Like, Instagram. It's like Instagram versus reality, I guess. And there is like a real gap between both of those things. And I can totally appreciate how this is manifesting in a lot of pressure for a lot of people.
0: Yeah. The funny thing is, as someone who is currently in the thick of planning a wedding that will be late next year, it's not even just Instagram anymore. Like it is every social media app. It's like fucking Mark Zuckerberg sees a ring on your finger and goes, feed her all the wedding pressure (laughs) in the world. Literally my TikTok feed. And I feel embarrassed even saying this because I kind of feel like I should have more serious, more important interests than one day of my life where I wear a white dress. But alas, this is my life right now. My entire TikTok feed is wedding content. It's all about women sharing how they made their day the most special day ever. Like on the weekend, I watched a three minute video about a bride talking about for how every wedding guest, she went and bought them a different book to represent their friendship oh together. Oh, my God. Then, <laughs> then got individual book sleeves sized up for the different size books and printed in their favourite colour with their name and a note on this the back as the sick. blurb. Like it is it is insane the pressure to make your wedding a spectacle. You
1: know what's really interesting? This thoughts just popped into my brain and I absolutely hate to bring this back to the world we currently find ourselves in. But pressure has to increase because particularly for Victorians and particularly for Australians, we have not been able to celebrate weddings Mm. for a very long time. None of us have really been able to get dressed up and celebrate with family and friends. Surely there is an element here of pressure increasing because we are so much more keen for it and so much more desperate to have a day that makes up for the hundreds of days we haven't been able to do anything.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think before I got engaged compared to now, to be honest, there's a little bit of a chasm between how I viewed weddings. Like I think we got on this show in 2018 or 2019, did a whole episode or segment, big, big segment on the wedding industrial complex and how women are getting themselves into debt for their weddings. And I think I was probably 23 and speaking from a place where I had no idea what it actually feels like to be a bride and compete with online wedding culture at the moment. I think when you're actually dealing with it, and you see the dollar signs in front of your eyes, you're a little bit blown away. Like that email that you just read out, Annabelle, speaks about Perspex wedding marquees. And I'm sure you guys have seen it with like the millions of fairy lights and it's outside and it looks like an individually built structure. The ones that I researched cost $40,000 just to get the marquee erected. That's not including food or drink. That is just the marquee. I think I
1: wouldn't even know that. And yet you see this stuff on Instagram and so much of it has just been like completely normalized. I think for this listener in particular, who is anonymous, I think the age old question we need to be asking ourselves for a lot of different scenarios, but particularly planning weddings is, is this how I want to experience the day? Or is this how I want the day to be captured? Mm. Like, what's my lens right now? Is my lens my own? Or is my lens, am I thinking about how everybody else is going to see this day? It's so funny, because like, to be honest, I probably wouldn't have picked up this mailbag if not for you planning your wedding because we've had some pretty <laughs> frank conversations ourselves about stuff like this in our text messages. If you'll allow me.
0: Oh, please. To, oh, no. What are you doing? To draw up
1: our own text message oh. conversations. But I think that this is helpful, right?
0: It's helpful. I'm not a bridezilla. Can we get that You're on not there? at all. But I think it, this, this is
1: not at all. And you are not a bridezilla at all. But I think it speaks very... Honestly, to pressure mm. that manifests in many different ways. So, you texted me one night, like a couple of months ago, being like, "I just can't find a wedding dress that I want. Like, I can't find anything that will suit me." I think this is what you said. I should just, I should just read these up. <laughs> me, <said>, me instead. <laughs> <laughs> it's bizarre how much is out there and how little I like, and I tend to know what suits me. So, I'm confused as to why it's so hard. And then I took a little bit of time and then I said, look, this might be terrible advice as I am not getting married. Great (laughs) disclaimer from the top. But is it the pressure of finding the dress rather than a dress? Is it blasphemy to say near enough is good enough? And you said, yeah, that's so fair. TBH, I do feel pressure to look good, but it's even for myself. I'm probably slightly harsh on other people's dresses and that's tenfold with my own wedding. (laughs) This
0: is the problem. I look at people's dresses and me and my friends critique them, often positively. Often the thing will be, oh, I would never wear it, but it suits her. But there is this dynamic where people's weddings are open slather. Like we see photos and instantly those photos, we've done it with each yeah, other. We, yeah, we have. I'm not going to sit here and pretend <laughs> I haven't done that. I agree with you, but I think that
1: that conversation of being like, weddings are painted in such a way these days that it's like, it's the day, it is the party, Mm. it is the dress. What if it's a day, a party, a dress that is particularly special? Like how do we retrain our brains? But that's the entire point, right? You actually have to fundamentally rewire your brain if you have been saturated in this messaging since you were basically born.
0: Yeah. And when it comes to influencer weddings as well, I think we're seeing something that is a mirage that is not attainable, like this listener said, for the average nurse or average teacher or whatever transparently influencers or public figures get offered a lot of free stuff on their wedding day so even those influencers aren't paying for what we're seeing we're seeing like heavily subsidized weddings that look like top tier look like they cost two hundred thousand dollars but that influencer hasn't actually paid that. That is a very niche circumstance that's also hard to see and rationalize in your head in the moment. And there must
1: be an element of surprise and shock here, right? For people that start planning their wedding and realize how much stuff costs. Cause I don't know how much anything costs. I only find out from you that a bloody perspex per fucking thingy um, <laughs> costs $40,000. And so you would see that and think, okay, well, that's just like a standard wedding. When I start planning my wedding and I imagine what this is, what this listener's done. I'm just going to do what I see. And mm-hmm. then you try to do what you see and you start getting into buckets and buckets of debt. The other element of this that I actually don't think many people talk about is I do feel like there's a little bit of shame in admitting that you do care about a wedding. Yes. I think that people feel a lot of shame feeling like they've (laughs) succumbed to wedding culture. Like, yes, we know, we all know that weddings and marriages are initially rooted or originally rooted in traditions that are often a little bit cooked. But it also feels like if you kind of say, I'm really excited for this wedding and I'm doing all of these things to plan for it. There's something unfeminist about that? Yeah,
0: I think you could probably split female listeners, even of this show, down the middle. There will be listeners who demand, like, they really want me to talk about planning my wedding. They really want me to come on the show and share that I've booked a venue or whatever because they want to hear wedding content. But then there are some listeners who find that to be anti-feminist and a little bit stupid. And I think even when it comes to sharing that, like, wedding stuff comes up on my social media now... I feel this pressure as in like, am I dumb for caring? Like, am I dumb for spending so much time caring about what my dress is? Is it self-indulgent? Is it anti-feminist? Is it just bending into a tradition that has always told me that the way I look on my wedding day is the most important thing of my life? And maybe, yeah, you could say all of those things are true to a certain degree, but I have genuinely really been excited by wedding planning. And I don't want to feel shame about that. I don't want to feel like an idiot for leaning into it. I'm having 180 fucking people at my wedding. Like, I want to feel excited about that and that's okay.
1: Well, I also think it's like what human is going to pretend, and maybe I might have heaps in my inbox after this, is going to pretend that they don't in some way want to be the main character for a day. And yes, people might come to me and say, but I don't like attention. It's like, I don't think those two things are the same thing. I think it's being like, I have everyone I love in the same room, whether that's five people or a hundred people. Who Who doesn't want to plan a day like that? The other thing that kind of um, I find really interesting is the internal shame even I feel as someone who's not getting married when people say, I've never thought about my wedding day. I've never even fucking thought about what I'd wear. It's like, oh, fuck, I have. I have. Oh, yeah, I
2: definitely have too. Yeah, and it's
1: like I've never told anyone that and it's not even that embarrassing to admit to people, but I think our conversations as feminists and as women around weddings is so extreme that it's hard to even admit that, yes, that is something I've thought of and, no, it's not going to be the biggest achievement of my yeah. life. And, yes, of course I know that in the back of my mind. But maybe thinking about it makes me happy. Maybe for you, Mish, planning this makes you happy. Yeah. It's been a fucking long year and a half.
0: Planning a party <laughs> is good. It's lovely. <laughs> Should we turn to this actual list yeah, and sorry. tell <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry, Anon. <laughs> Random rants done. Let's talk to this actual listener because she's asked us, what the hell do I do? She's clearly in a lot of debt. This sounds like tens of thousands of dollars worth of debt to me. Like she's talking about champagne fountains and stuff. And again, guys... You don't even want to fucking know what a champagne is. Can't fountain. you just do it with Prosecco and I don't plastic like glasses? Champagne. No, everyone says you have to use their specific suppliers. Uh, you have to do it a certain way. You've got to pay for someone to fucking monitor the champagne fountain. It's a whole thing. Anyway, so the listener is in a bad situation. And I think if you are listening to this segment, what I want to tell you, Anonymous, is back out of as many commitments as you can. Say goodbye to the 10% deposit. I'm guessing what's happened here. Most places you pay a 10% deposit, you then pay in installments. I think she needs to back out, lose that money because she'll actually save money in the long run. What I'm also relying on when I give this argument in particular is that there's huge demand out there for wedding suppliers right now and I would hope, definitely hope that if she pulls out, Those suppliers will get a 10% deposit plus get other customers in for the same date. Everyone's booking weddings at the moment. I don't think that would be a huge issue. So get out of those things now. Say goodbye to those deposits. Try and look for DIY ways that you can go about this to cut costs or save money. For example, artificial flowers are a great way to save money on tens of thousands of dollars of florals. Find ways to incorporate family to do table decorations together. Find ways to cut cost on entertainment. Can you do a playlist? Can you do something else in that area as well? And then as soon as you've cut down this cost, as much as you can bring yourself to do, give yourself some special stuff. Of course, it's your wedding. Yeah. Treat yourself as well. Once you've pulled back and culled as much as you can, sit down your partner tomorrow night. Do not give yourself another timeline. You need to come clean to your fiancé. I don't know if it's a man or a woman. Come clean to them tomorrow. Do not give yourself more time. The more time you give yourself, the more this is going to build up and it will become a huge storm cloud over your head wherever you go. Yeah. And I think
1: it's worth being honest about why you felt this pressure. Like, I don't think we actually talk about this enough because people are too embarrassed to say they care because they think that it's all very shallow. And it's like, yes, it might be shallow. And people might be listening to this tut-tutting, being like, come on, girls, you're above this. And it's like,
0: well, I'm deeply below it, just so you know. <laughs> but
1: genuinely, I think there will be some people who it's like, well, I'm disappointed that you might be sucked into this or this listener is sucked into this. And it's like, yeah, maybe it's disappointing or maybe consider yourself lucky that you've avoided this pressure. Mm. Like we live in a world that is telling us all of these different things all the time. And it's impossible for us to always be above them. And so I think for this listener, it's also like go gently on yourself. Yes, mm. rewrite the wrongs, but also go gently on yourself to be like, you're not the only one who feels this pressure because you see
0: this shit on Instagram. Yeah, absolutely. I just think if you can do anything, honesty is the best policy. You do not want to get into a marriage where you are keeping secrets, particularly money secrets. Oh. Money's the number one reason for divorce. Do not give yourself a hurdle to leap over before you even become husband and husband or wife and wife or wife and husband. Like please set your marriage up in the best way possible and sit your partner down and talk to them. Genuinely, just have a conversation with them.
1: Yeah, I think that is all we've got time for today. Guys, I cannot wait for all of your thoughts on so many things we discussed in this week's episode. episode. (laughs) A lot, a lot going on. Mish, where are we directing the listeners to today?
0: Oh, look, If you want to send in your own shameless mailbag, if you have a life dilemma, whether it's related to celebrity and pop culture or not, please send it to our email. We are hello at shamelessmediaco.com. That is shamelessmediaco.com. Make sure you get all that in. Send us your mailbag questions. We love doing this segment.
1: Yeah, guys, we are on Instagram at shamelesspodcast. In the meantime, we will be back in your ears on Monday for another episode of Scandal. Annabelle Lee, anything to add? No. No, that's good. (laughs) Thanks so much, guys. Stay hydrated.
0: (laughs) Bye. I hate us.